Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of TMX Presents The Podcast. My name is George Glife, Vice President of U.S. Capital Formation, and today I'm joined by Ken Hirschman. Widely known in the television sports world for his 30-plus year career, Ken is an award-winning and innovative sports executive. Ken is currently the CEO and co-founder of Champion Gaming, a sports wagering data, analytics, and content company whose holdings include leading sports wagering brands, Edge Sports, Edge Varsity, and Football Outsiders. Ken's background includes significant tenure at leading media companies in a variety of senior management roles, including serving as president of HBO Sports, as well as in-house counsel at Showtime Networks. Ken sits on advisory boards for a number of companies in the sports, technology, and entertainment industries. Thanks, Ken, for doing this again. It's a pleasure to have you and the Champion Gaming team on. Great. Happy to be here and appreciate the opportunity. You've had a, an interesting background and experience in your career, to say the least. I wanted to start off this episode by asking, how did you get started in the sports, media, and entertainment industry? I started my life as a corporate finance securities lawyer for a Wall Street law firm here in Manhattan. We represented a myriad of clients, including investment banks and Fortune 100 companies. But we also represented Viacom, which was a big media holding company. And Viacom had an opening for an in-house lawyer at Showtime in one of their divisions. And they asked if I would be interested. And uh, of course, I said yes and joined uh, Showtime and, and then was in their legal group representing a bunch of different practice areas of the company, including their sports and event group. Did that for eight or so years. The individual running the sports group got promoted to take a larger position and they asked me if I would be interested in transitioning over to a business role, which I did and I was very happy to. So that's kind of how it happened. I never really set out to be in the sports media space. I just evolved into it naturally, but I really gravitated to and took to it quickly and really combined a lot of my passions for sports. My, I thought my legal career and training was particularly helpful in navigating that world. And then I got a lot of experience in live sports and behind the scenes reality shows and journalistic shows and documentaries over time there. And then was recruited to go from Showtime to HBO and run their sports division. So that I did happily. And I worked with some amazing talent at, at HBO, both in front of and behind the camera and did a lot of boxing, a lot of other kinds of shows with the NFL and NHL and a bunch of different documentaries, Joe Namath and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and really enjoyed that chapter of my career. But I, I always had this kind of entrepreneurial thing in the back of my mind and got to a place where I had the good fortune of being able to kind of venture out on my own and do that. I started into the esports gaming world because that was a particularly interesting area that I thought was really growing quickly and joined a, an advisory firm. And we helped clients you know, navigate entry ramps into that space, how to deploy capital, how to raise capital, and found that really fascinating. Then Champion Gaming came along as just a kernel of an idea with some partners where we saw what was happening in the sports wagering space, the, the tremendous upside opportunity in a very early phase of the of the marketplace. And we began to look for an asset to roll into our company and begin to operate and use that as a launching off point. 
Well, I do know that you don't, you have no shortage of interesting stories from your time at both Showtime and at HBO. And I had the pleasure of, you know, when we, we did the closing dinner for Champion Gaming, you mentioned some interesting stories, right? Being arm's length from folks like Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. You definitely had an interesting tenure, right? And if you look at your entrepreneurial DNA, as you mentioned, kind of going from let's say big corporate in the sports media entertainment space to now more of a startup scale up. What were some of those lessons that you took from roles at HBO Showtime in different divisions, right? Whether it's being the president or in-house counsel to now leading the helmet champion. Yeah, I think that there's probably two major points that, you know, I often impart to younger executives. One is they're less about the kind of nuts and bolts of your day-to-day job, but more kind of philosophical points. One is that your word matters. Doing what you say you're going to do, doing it ethically, timely, and doing it obviously at a high level matters in all area your business relationships, whether it's your bosses, the senior management that you're negotiating budgets with and promising to keep them apprised of developments and stay on budget, whether it's the team that you work with your colleagues when you're creating shows, navigating the ups and downs of how shows are performing, whether it's the talent and producers you work with to create those shows, bring those ideas to life, even the venues you're working with and your own staff just day to day, plus the other side of the deal that you're trying to get done. Like, you know, having that credibility, knowing that people can trust you just gives you this enormous benefit as you navigate what is inevitably the vagaries of life, right? Mm. Nothing's a straight line in business. And this reservoir of goodwill, if you've built it up, will allow you to adapt, course adjust, get some slack when you make mistakes, and uh, you know inevitably let you achieve the larger objective and not get off course. The second is, you know, I think might surprise some people, but fair deals are far better than one-sided deals. One-sided deals, even in your favor, they might feel great in the moment, but they create this misalignment that harms the final outcome for both sides. So it's important that you be firm in what matters most to you, but it's also you have to listen to the other side and make sure you understand what's important to them and find alignment. And if you can do that, then you should do the deal. And if you can't, you shouldn't. Even if you could take advantage of somebody in the moment, that misalignment will ultimately create a a negative result. I love that important wisdom there. And what I wanted to ask, and you touched on it a little bit in the intro, you refer to champion gaming as the the money ball of sports wagering. For folks listening, when I say money ball, I don't know if you've come across or have watched the movie Moneyball, which starred Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. It's that sort of famous Michael Lewis movie around this whole concept of introducing analytics to what then was baseball, traditionally where they just didn't have the data surrounding players. And so they found discounted players that were actually outperforming. They just weren't really matched properly. So curious for you, Ken, if you can talk a little bit more about this concept of being the money ball for sports wagering in particular, and what you're trying to do right now with Champion Gaming. When we were trying to figure out, we looked for three markers in this space that would help us kind of figure out how we wanted to get into the uh, opportunity. One was obviously the market size and whether it was growing. And that's undoubtedly what's transpiring here, right? This is one of the fastest growing markets 
not only in North America, but globally. Canada, Ontario, right, just opened up online sports wagering. New York just opened up and catapulted to the number one market very quickly. So, and there's a number of big states left to follow, California, Florida, to name a couple. And so there's still tremendous upside in terms of just bringing this capability to large population centers. The second thing we looked for was, was there a high quality asset out there that could benefit from the skill sets and the experience that we have? And were they underperforming or new enough that we could make a pretty quick positive impact? And the third was, you know, do they have a product that's has some product market fit or that the marketplace could really use. We didn't want to buy something that was a solution in search of a problem. So as I said, the market size answered itself. This is probably going to be a $125 billion market in short order as more and more states come on. So we were excited about that. As for the second piece of this, was there a high quality asset? Edge Sports and Football Outsiders were there as established businesses. They had an interesting mix of media combined with proprietary data and analytics, but they had not just really become major players. So it felt like that kind of asset, that quality, that integrity, that reputation that they have in the business is great, but combined with some additional capital and some additional experience on the management team was a real opportunity to grow the company and grow it quickly. And third, you know, we looked at the market of sports wagering, especially around content and information. And what became clear to us, George, is that there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of ground noise, but there wasn't a lot of high value independent analysis steeped in real data science, real analytics, rather than just a lot of content masquerading as data, but really just being opinion. So that answered the third question that if we could position this properly, if we could bring this to market properly, we could see credibly strong demand for that independent analysis and data science through our products and services and content. So Ken, in the investor presentation for Champion Gaming, there's a slide that really stood out to me, which is by W. Edwards Deming. And it says, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. For a lot of folks listening who aren't as closely tied to the space, why is data and analytics so important to the sports world? If you think about what sports is, even at the most casual level, sports is all about winning. And it's not about gaining yards, rushing yards, passing yards, having the fewest penalties, how many sacks you get. I mean, I'm using football analogies here. But those stats are important to help inform the situation. But ultimately, it's about getting more points than your opponent. And that's all that really matters. And our data and analytics is focused on outcomes and how different decision-making and occurrences within the game impact your win probability. And while most, I think, data sites focus on traditional stats and then try and apply those to back into an outcome to explain an end result, we're more focused on how those stats, how those decision-makings change the chance of winning or losing a game in real time. That's a particularly unique difference. And I think a very interesting perspective is more in-game wagering comes to the fore as well. How many sports does Champion at the moment cover? We started with football 
only. And now we've expanded into a multi-sport offering through edgesports.com. We now cover NBA, NHL. We just launched Major League Baseball last week around the kickoff of the season. And we're beginning to build out a golf offering. So one of the objectives we had when we took over the company was to reduce some of the seasonality around our businesses, because obviously in season football, that's when you get the most traffic and the most attention. Then the season ends and people kind of disappear. And we wanted to kind of have an offering that attracted people 365 days a year. So that was the idea around starting with the NBA, which segues right perfectly out of NFL season, NHL as well. And golf is at this stage, virtually a 365-day-a-year offering. We're also now beginning to figure out ways to cover combat sports, which is, again, more situational, but there's a lot of attention around big fights, and we think we have some unique perspectives to bring to the market there. So that'll be something on our roadmap as well. Well, hopefully when that happens, we'll bring uh, Bruce Buffer or Dana White on the podcast. I'm a, I'm a big MMA fan, so I like the sound of that one. Before we dive into the next question, just one more for you here, Ken, and I want to clarify this for folks listening. You mentioned the, the difference between traditional metrics that sort of the average viewer would intake, but someone who's actually participating in sports wagering and using a platform like Edge Sports is looking at very, very different metrics. Can you just compare like one traditional easy metric that someone would look at versus something from your data engine that would spit out that would be much more beneficial to consume? You'll get a lot of odds on the sports book websites that tell you, you know, this team is minus 110, this team's plus 120. That doesn't really tell you anything. The market's very efficient, but the sports book's goals and motivations are to have equal bets on equal sides so they don't really lose regardless of the outcome of the game. If you come to Edge Sports, you'll see win probability, which is entirely different, right? So if we think the San Antonio Spurs, have a, our model suggests they have an 85% chance of winning the game, that's interesting information. It doesn't mean they're going to win, clearly. That's why you play the game. And 15% is still a high likelihood outcome. So if I told you, you have an 85% chance if you spin the dial of walking across the street, not getting hit by a car, but you have a 15% chance of getting hit by a car, you're gonna say, well, I'll just wait <laughs> for the light to change. I'm not gonna take that 15% chance. But on top of that game-winning chance assessment, which is not correlated necessarily to what the sports books are suggesting, we also have an expected value component to what we bring. And that's really where we shine because ultimately what you're trying to do is not find who's going to win the game necessarily, but where the best value bets are. Where is the market maybe missing an opportunity? Maybe there's more value in the underdog bet here at 15% game winning chance because of some of the factors that go through our model that you wouldn't be aware of. So I think that's one small example of what benefits you get from edge sports versus just trying to look at the odds, the consensus odds on a sports book. Right. And that's the whole thinking around more informed decisions, right? With the concept of champion. Yeah, exactly. We're not here to sell you bets. Exactly. And that's important for, for our customers to know. We're not a tout service. We're here really to help you make smarter decisions, whether that's around fantasy sports or wagering. 
So the idea is just give you the strategies, give you the information to help you make better decisions and solve for some of that information asymmetry that's out there. You know, pros have access to lots of data and analytics and engines that the average customer doesn't. And we provide that. We talk about it like, you know, it's prescription strength drug sold in an over-the-counter formation. So now you could go and you could get that professional level of information at edge case free of charge and use it to help make you smarter and make you feel more comfortable with what you're doing because there's a lot of ground noise out there. It's hard to sift through whether someone has an agenda, whether someone's trying to just sell you on their last three bets as they're on fire. And we know that really doesn't matter in this space. What matters is 10 plus years of having a NFL model that is unparalleled telling you, you know, the information that you need. One of the benefits, as you mentioned earlier, is technically you can operate from anywhere, right? Because you don't have the same restrictions as a traditional better that's inputting and outputting dollars, as an example. Yeah, we're not a sports book and we don't care where you bet. We'll help you kind of get to your sports book of choice, but that's up to you. Our role is to just give you those tools and that information, make you feel like you're a bit smarter about the day and go off and enjoy your your wagering, then backtest those like we backtest everything. We do backtest your results and then make adjustments. In an article with Kentucky Eno, I remember reading this shortly before Champion decided to go public on the TSX venture. But Sean O'Leary, who's the president of Champion, in that article talks about really needing access to bigger pools of capitals to grow, right? Whether it's organically and through M&A, and that traditional capital raising wasn't necessarily going to cut it. And especially for an early stage company coming out of Louisville, Kentucky, what I'm curious about is what were some of the reasons that you ended up deciding to go on this path to go public on the TSXV at that time? You have to have capital to grow your company. We, as you mentioned, want to grow organically football outsiders and edge sports. Those are our digital properties and offerings and tremendous upside there. We're also looking aggressively growing inorganically through strategic acquisitions. And both those take capital in order to properly execute. The access to funding through the public markets does three key things for us. One, it gives us access to capital to continue to grow the organic components of our business, but it allowed us to do it relatively quickly. And on the TSXV, that was an added benefit in that it's not as expensive as some of the larger exchanges out there. So that speed to market, the ability to kind of raise money without taxing the resources of the company, that's super important. Second, it offers us a liquid currency going forward that we could use for our inorganic acquisition growth strategy. So the idea that we can pay in shares of stock and that those shares, unlike in the private world, can actually have some liquidity at some point in the near future for those targets that we acquire, we think is a very attractive piece of the selling proposition. And then thirdly, we can go back to the public markets as long as we deliver on our plan and we do what we say we're going to do, which comes back to that credibility factor we talked about earlier, we can go back to the market and we could raise capital easily and quickly. And this market is moving at lightning speed. There's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of 
adjustment to business plans. There's a lot of states coming online and continuing to come online. So as it moves really quickly, we need to move really quickly. And the access to the capital markets, the public capital markets, is an advantage for us in that context. Right. Just to summarize, so it was basically time to market and sort of the cost advantages of going on a junior market in terms of being publicly listed. The other one was the credibility if you execute the ability to raise subsequent rounds of financings. And then this, the second one that you pointed out was that share currency to actually go out and do M&A, which is really at the ethos of what Champion Gaming is becoming, right? It's this holding company that's acquiring very key assets, be it Football Outsiders, Edge Varsity, or Edge Sports. It's kind of growing into different facets that are accretive to the business model. Exactly. And speaking about growth, you know, one of the interesting headlines that I came across was this announcement that you're looking at developing a metaverse as well as an NFT strategy. And what I wanted to ask you, Ken, is what opportunities with these emerging technologies do you see play out in the sports analytics world? The metaverse space is obviously it's a hot topic right now, but we see it as an important component down the road of what we're trying to build here. We expect, obviously, in the very near future, every person will have a parallel digital identity, whether it's through an avatar, crypto wallets, digital goods, all of that will be conducted the way you're doing it in the physical world, in the virtual world. And that's very exciting. And there's unlimited possibilities for companies of all sorts to take advantage of that. We partnered with Long Lost Friends, which is a Web3 firm that has a tremendous amount of credibility and experience to explore opportunities on how to bring to life our content, our data and analytics in this new virtual world. So if you will, I mean, just as a hypothetical, there could be a virtual sports book where folks go in and they're trying to assess again, what bets to make, watch the games, converse with friends, community, console each other over lost bets or missed opportunities, things of that nature. That whole community play is super important to what we're trying to build and where we think we bring a tremendous amount of value. So we want to, in the physical world, we want to empower our customers with the right strategies, tools, content, information. And we want to do the same thing with these next generation tools in the virtual world. Got it. Well, if, if uh, you ever decide to personally buy some lot next to Snoop Dogg's house, Ken, you got to let me know. I'm going to be your neighbor. All right. <laughs> I, I love that. And uh, Snoop would be an interesting neighbor. I think I'd probably need a bit of distance or soundproofing. I think so. <laughs> because he's a pretty prolific business person as well as musician. Correct. One last thing on the business side, and I just got a fun last quick fire question for you. But you and, and Chapman Gaming, of course, signed this syndication agreement with Playmaker Capitals brand Yard Barker. And I just wanted to ask something really interesting to me that stood out there is the ability for one public listed company to partner with another, right? And I think you have this access to so many other listed companies, especially in the sports world. Has that stood out to you as a benefit in terms of being listed as well? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously just you have a pipeline and you have relationships of folks that you deal with but we're a bit of a small family on the TSXV as well. And I think the idea of we could support each other and where strategically it makes sense, work together is a no-brainer. And I know Jordan, I've been on some panels with him. They're building a very interesting company as well. 
they've kind of had a, I would say more adjacent to us, not directly competitive with us. And Yard Barker is just one example of that. And, you know, we were happy to tap into their extensive reach and distribution capabilities to bring our content to a wider and more global audience. They're a terrific company and that deal has been going very well for both of us. And we hope to do more together. Love it. To your point, it is a sort of a small family. And, you know, if you look at the gaming subsector, which includes esports and gambling, there's more than 23 issuers, both on TSX and TSXV. They represent a total market cap of more than $3 billion, more than $1.5 billion capital raised. And that's as of, I believe, end of November of 2021 is when I pulled up those stats during the remarks when Champion Gaming went public. So, Definitely a growing sector. One more for you, Ken. Appreciate your time here with us. We talked about the NFL when I chatted with you last in Kentucky, but now we're in sort of playoff NBA season. So I just wanted to ask and confirm, are you a Nets fan at the moment? Is that who you're rooting for? Grew up a a Knicks fan. I was in college in Washington, D.C. at the same time that Patrick Ewing was there. I wasn't at the same school, but, but I was a big admirer of his. And when he came to the Knicks, I thought that was going to end a long drought. We came close, just couldn't get over that final threshold. But, you know, being in New York, you can't hate the Nets. I think they're an authentic brand. They've done an amazing job since moving to Brooklyn. They've built a pretty impressive roster, great ownership. I'm thrilled with what they're doing. And if the Knicks can't be at that level, I'm happy to move my allegiances over to the Nets. But ultimately, if the two had to play each other, you know where my bets would lie. But I wish the Nets the best, and hopefully they can finally bring championship here. Nice. Well, I think Stephen A. Smith would agree with you. So (laughs) I appreciate you again, Ken. And thanks for not only being on the podcast, but continuing to do good work through Champion Gaming. So we're wishing you the best. And thanks again for your time. Great. Thank you, George. Really enjoyed it and look forward to uh, another opportunity. Thank you for listening to TMX Presents, the podcast. And thank you to Ken and the Champion Gaming team for joining us. For more information, visit us.tsx.com. And for more insights from capital markets leaders, visit tmx.com forward slash POV.